0: This morning I I want to share with you a scripture that came to my mind when I got the word that my brother Kai had passed away. It is found in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 21. The Apostle Paul would say to this dear church, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is what? Y'all remember what he said, to die is gain. You know, the book of Philippians is full of quotable quotes. Verses that people love to remember. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. This is a verse that has meant a lot to me for a long time. I trust the Lord will grant us Liberty this morning and understanding as we look at this passage together. For to me, Paul says, this is very personal with him. It's not true with everybody. But to him, it was true. For to me, to live is Christ. To people who don't believe in God, who don't love God, don't Not interested in God or spiritual things, say to the atheist or to many of God's children who are carnal minded, they basically, their life is about money, more and more and more and more of what you've already got enough of. It's about popularity, it's about power, it's about pleasure, about prestige. And I think there are people who could safely say, for to me, to live is football. I've known people in my life that I believe were children of God. But their whole life was wrapped up in sports. That was really what they talked about after church, before church. And football is is a good sport. And sports can be a blessing to people. But it's sad if that's what your life is about. To some it would be golf. But notice what Paul says. For to me. To live. Is Christ. It first of all lets us know this man. Has been born from above. He's been born. Of the Holy Spirit. He has a spiritual nature. And. And, uh, and and he met the Lord, or the Lord met him, on the Damascus Road when he was a young man persecuting the church. He was on his way to Damascus to bind up the disciples of Christ and bring them back to Jerusalem for trial. And I want to tell you, at that point, his life was not about Jesus Christ. It was about putting the followers of Christ to death. What happened to change this man? Did some preacher reach him? Did somebody pray him through? No. What happened to him is the same thing that happened to all of us if we're born again. Jesus Christ sovereignly met him on the Damascus Road. And he was, I think in a moment, born of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said to him, Saul, Saul. I remember hearing Elder Darty say one time that, why did he call him twice? Why did he call his name twice? And Brother Dougherty's thought was, well, the first Saul was when he called him from death in sin to life in Jesus Christ. The second Saul was calling him to be an apostle. And it was an effectual call. And from that moment until the day he died, his life was all about Jesus Christ. So, for to me, to live is Christ. For God's children who have been born again and are spiritual minded, life on this earth is about Christ and his people. That's our focus. You know, we have little sidelines that we're interested in, but the primary focus is on Jesus Christ, our Lord. I want to back up just a moment here in the first chapter of Philippians. This church was very special to the Apostle Paul. Paul loved all of the churches. He had helped to establish many churches in his ministry, but this church was very special so he says to them in verse 3, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Well, not a wonderful attitude to have? Every time this church came to his mind, he wanted to bow and thank God. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. I have been blessed in my life to serve uh, about ten congregations. And so far, I can honestly say, every time I think of any of them, I just want to thank God for them. They've been blessings in my life. That was the attitude Paul had to the Philippians. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, let's come over and read beginning in verse 9. And this I pray. That your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. You want to see the heart of this man? Look at what he writes. This is coming right out of his heart. And this I pray that your love may abound. We don't want to just love half-heartedly, do we? How many in the church today just wants to love one another half-heartedly? No. We want to abound in our love. And that's what Paul is praying for. And this I pray, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. I want to tell you, don't you know the Philippian church was blessed when they got this letter and began to read it? They knew Paul was in prison, and Paul was probably thinking that his death was imminent, that he would be executed for his Christian faith. And this church loved him. He didn't just love them, they loved him. And uh, so when they get this letter from him, I'm sure it touched them deeply. Just as it should, you and me this morning. How many of y'all are touched by what Paul is saying here? Come on now, are y'all listening? He said, "Somebody waved at me back there. They're listening." Paul says, "And this I pray that your love, not your success, not your money, not your popularity." Not all of that, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. i want to tell you, without love, this world is a dark, meaningless place. How many of y'all would agree with that? Love for God, love for one another. And Paul is focusing on the main thing, that their love may abound. Yet, more and more in knowledge and in all judgment, that ye may approve things that are excellent, and that ye may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God, yes, Paul loved this church, and he wanted them to be fruitful in the service of God. Brother Philip said this morning that he was hoping the best for this congregation. That's a good attitude to have, Brother Philip. We all should have that attitude, right? That the church of Jesus Christ may abound in love. That we may be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. It's all about Him. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened to me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. Now, I want to, I want to stop right there a minute. I mentioned a moment ago that Paul was in prison in Rome when he's writing this letter. Now, notice he says, but I would, ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. What is he talking about? The things that happened unto me. Well, he's talking about all of the suffering that he's done for Jesus' sake, for his imprisonment, for his stoning in Lystra, for the beatings he has received by Jews and by Romans. He's talking about his shipwreck. He's talking about his snake bite. Y'all remember that one? He's talking about all the things that have fallen out to him. And if I had been through all that Paul had been through, I wouldn't have summarized it by just saying and the things that uh, happened to me. I'd keep y'all's attention for a long time. (laughs) I'd probably expound on all my suffering. Not Paul. I've often said if I ever spent one night in jail for Jesus' sake, I'd probably work it into every sermon. (laughs) But Paul's whole life in the ministry was suffering. Sometimes I've wished that some of these Prosperity preachers, these health and wealth preachers that say if you just had more faith, you'd have all the money you could ever want, you'd have good health, you'd never get sick, you'd never suffer. I wish some of those preachers could could have preached to the Apostle Paul. There he is in that battle scarred and mutilated body, suffering for Jesus' sake. And some preachers going to say, Paul, if you'd have just had more faith. Your life would have been a lot easier. (laughs) No, brethren and sisters. Jesus never promised us a flowery bed of ease on this earth. And if you're looking for that, let me tell you, you didn't get it out of God's word. Paul, when, when, when the Lord appeared to Paul on the Damascus road, he said, I'm going to send you to Damascus. And a preacher over there is going to show you what great things you must suffer for my sake. How many of y'all would sign up for that? I want to tell you, you and I really do need to um, just know how good we've got it, how blessed we are. I'm serious, beloved. You and I are so blessed in so many ways. And, and Paul is not complaining. He said, but I would, I would, Ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have fallen out rather unto what? The furtherance of the gospel. He's arrested in Rome. He's probably chained to Roman soldiers who are guarding him. And let me tell you, wherever Paul was, he was going to be preaching Jesus. He's going to be talking about Jesus. After the small talk, after he talked about the weather, (laughs) let me tell you what he got to. He got to talking about Jesus Christ. I wish my conversation was all about him. And so, while Paul was there in prison, God blessed him to preach the gospel to many, even in Caesar's house. Let's notice how he closes this epistle. Chapter 4 and verse 22. All the saints salute you Chiefly, they that are of Caesar's household. Isn't that incredible? God found a way to get the gospel of the crucified and risen Savior into the household of Caesar. And Paul wasn't bashful talking about Jesus Even in the presence of royalty, when he stood before King Agrippa, you all remember that trial? They brought him before King Agrippa. I mean, royalty. And Paul just poured out his heart and soul to that king and went back and told the gospel story. And you know what King Agrippa said? Almost... Thou persuadest me to be a Christian. Now that was some sermon, wasn't it? <laughs> and Paul said, "I wish not only not almost, but altogether, you were as I am." How many of you have almost been persuaded to follow Christ, join the church, and be baptized, and you let the flesh, the world, and the devil talk you out of it? I did for a year in this church. That's a that's a year of. Wasted in my life. If you're here today and you love Jesus Christ, and you believe He loved you and came down from heaven's glory to live in a body and suffer in your place and go to Calvary and give His life for you, don't you think you ought to be willing and love Him enough that you would walk down the aisle of this church and publicly say, I love Him. I want to be baptized in His name. Because baptism is my opportunity to say to anybody that will listen, I believe. What do you believe? We saw a young sister baptized last Sunday down at Trail Branch Church, uh, the song leader's wife. And I tell you, that was a beautiful thing. My son-in-law John was able to baptize three last Sunday down at uh, Cairo. And you know, when somebody's baptized, you know what they're saying? I believe. I believe what? I believe Jesus died, I believe he was buried, and I believe he rose again. How many of y'all believe that? Amen. See, baptism, my brother Aaron used to call it the liquid grave. That's what the Baptist, the Baptist pool is, you know. It's a grave, in a sense, a liquid grave. And, and a believer goes in the water, and the pastor uh, takes them, and, and they'll hold their breath and close their eyes. As one in death, and then the pastor buries them in water. Sprinkling just doesn't get it done, folks. Sprinkling does not represent the death burial in Jesus, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But I've never left anybody under there. I've always brought them out. And you know what that represents? Come on now. You know what, you know what that represents? It represents the resurrection. Death, burial, and resurrection. And if you love Jesus Christ and you believe he died for you and he was buried for you and he arose again for you, you ought to be willing to live for him. That's what Paul is doing. His whole life now is about Jesus Christ. So he's in prison and and rather than sitting over there having a pity party. How many of y'all have ever had a pity party? I don't see the first hand go up, but I know every last one of us has probably had one or two anyway. I tell people, that if you're going to have a pity party, announce it. It's going to start at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. It's going to end at 6. Bring your own Kleenexes. And chances are, nobody's going to show up. You want your own, don't you? You want your own pity party. You want, you want to feel pitiful for yourself. Paul didn't do that. Here he is in prison. He has been stoned, he's been beaten, he's been lied about. And there he is in prison writing this letter to the Philippians and says, The things that happened unto me have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel. God is using my imprisonment to further the gospel. Not one word of complaint not one word of why God, me. No, none of that. He's just rejoicing that God has opened the door of utterance for him to preach the gospel even in Caesar's house. And so he would say, um, have fallen out rather under the furtherance of the gospel so that my bonds in Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places, and, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident, but my bonds are much more bold to speak the word without fear. You know, beloved, God's children, the church, the Christian church, has suffered greatly for 2,000 years. Jesus suffered The eleven of the twelve apostles died death of martyrdom. Did you know that? Eleven out of twelve of them died horrible deaths. One was skinned alive for Jesus' sake. One was drugged through a city with wild horses till he died for Jesus' sake. Peter was crucified upside down for Jesus' sake. Now what did you say your problem was? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) What, what's your problem today? One brother back there said, I don't have any. <laughs> Compared to him, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? So, Paul, he's not having a pity party. He's saying that, that other brethren have seen my suffering. And you know, I'm hearing that more people have died in, in, in the last hundred years in the world in the name of Jesus and for Jesus than all other periods of history put together. I've been reading about what's going on in the Middle East, Afghanistan. You know, many, many Afghans were converted to Christianity. Now, they didn't believe exactly like we do doctrinally, but they, they believed in Jesus. Some of them, no doubt, believed in grace. You know what's happening to those people right now? as as Afghanistan is falling back into the hands of the Taliban and the Al-Qaeda. I want to tell you, it's horrible. You don't even want to think about it. What's going on right now? Canada, dozens of Christian churches are being burned to the ground in our next-door neighbor. And I want to tell you, there are people in our world, in our country, that hate what you and I are doing this morning. I don't know how much longer you and I are going to have the freedoms we have. Do you know how long? I don't. We better be enjoying it. But Paul says, when my brethren heard about my bonds, it encouraged them to suffer. Uh, So notice, and many of the brethren in the Lord, waxing confident by my bonds, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. I love that. I tell you, I'm inspired by Paul's life, and it was 2,000 years ago. When I read about it, it gives me courage. Helps me to be bold. 2,000 years have passed. How many of y'all are inspired by the life of our beloved Paul? He said, some indeed preach Christ, even of envy and strife, and some also of goodwill. You know, there were jealous preachers in that day. And it was all about them, but they were still preaching Jesus. And so Paul said, the one preached Christ of contention, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my bonds, but the other of love, knowing that I am set for the defense of the gospel. What then, notwithstanding every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. If you and I have the right attitude today, we're going to rejoice when men are preaching Jesus Christ. Their motives may not be the best, but if they're lifting him up. And you see, that's what church is all about. That's my job as a pastor to hold Christ up to you so you can see him. That's why Paul said to the Hebrews, looking unto Jesus. I've heard people say, you know, daddy's my rock. Mama's my rock. So-and-so is my rock. I want to tell you who your rock is. You know who your rock is? (laughs) It's Jesus Christ, the rock of ages. He's my rock. And that was Paul's rock. And so he's just going to rejoice that Christ is being preached. Um, Now, notwithstanding, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And I therein do rejoice, yea, and will rejoice. For I know, I know that this shall turn to my salvation through your prayer, not eternal salvation, but his deliverance in time through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing, in nothing, In nothing I shall be ashamed, but that with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ shall be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. I want to notice that expression a moment. Paul is saying, I want Christ to be magnified in my body. When you magnify something, you know what it does? It just makes... Whatever it is you're looking at, easier to see if it's magnified. Elder Byrd, in his last days, had poor eyesight and he had a big magnifying glass. Not long before he died, I was going to a bookstore and he said, I want you to get me a good book on Christianity. The man was 90 years old. His eyes were feeble, but he still wanted to read and study. And search. And you know what that magnifying class did for Brother Bird? It just magnified what was on the page. It didn't make the letters any bigger, does it? No, it just made it easier to see. Now, when you and I magnify the Lord in our body, we're not making God any bigger than He is. But I'll tell you what, I've been able to see Him a lot better in some people's lives. My brother Kai, uh, yesterday was singing. How wonderful heaven must be. They caught a little of it on video. I tell you, it will move you to tears. But I believe he was magnifying the Lord in his death. He wasn't laying there. You know, I know he loved his family and his wife Janice and all that. But see, he didn't belong to us. You know who Kai belonged to? He just loaned him to us for a while and we enjoyed him. But let me tell you, he belonged to Jesus. You know who loved him and paid for his sins and bought him? You know who did that? Jesus Christ. Paul said to the Corinthians, uh, he said, uh, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are His. Because he said, he, He bought you. He paid for you. You are His. And I believe my brother was able to To magnify the Lord, I tell you, it blessed me. I sent it out to a lot of my friends across the country, and many of them sent back a word. Brother Sam, we appreciate that testimony of faith in God as he neared the end of the journey of life. So Paul is saying, I want to magnify the Lord in my body, whether it be by life or by death. In other words, he's saying, if they let me out of this prison, I'm going to go back to preaching. But if I die, I want to die in such a way that I'll magnify the Lord. Do y'all see that? Is this making any sense to anybody today? This is living, folks. All this other stuff will leave you bored in time. Life can get very boring. It re- but I've never gotten bored about Jesus. I love to hear men preach. I love to hear you all sing. And uh, it just gets sweeter and sweeter as the years go by. So Paul is saying, for to me to live is Christ. That ought to be for you and me. Now, it's very personal with him. But it ought to be our testimony this morning. For to me to live is Christ. You see, Christ gave his all for us. You all know that. Every breath of air you and I breathe is from him. I love the story about the man who was in the hospital and they had to put him on oxygen and he got a bill and it was a big bill and, and he started crying and the doctor said, Sir, you don't need to cry. Uh, we'll work it out. You can pay it on installments. Don't, don't cry. And the man said, I'm not crying because of the bill. He said, I can pay it. I'm just thinking about all the years. That I've been breathing God's oxygen, and he never sent me a bill. Can I get a witness? You say, well, oxygen is free. Yeah, but you know where it came from? I don't care what part of the planet you're on, whether it's Africa, South America, Europe, wherever you are, there's plenty of oxygen. And you know where it came from? Not science. It came from the God of creation. So you, to live as Christ. Every breath of air you and I are breathing is a gift from Almighty God. Paul said we, to, the, to the Athenians, he wasn't even ashamed to preach Jesus in Athens, Greece. He said, we live and move and have our being in Jesus Christ. Are you all getting this? Am I wasting my time this morning? I am if you all not getting it. I might as well quit. For to me, to live is Christ. Where else are you going to get all the oxygen you need? Your food, your water, your clothes. You know what? A lot of people think, I work for all that. Yeah, but where did you get the energy to work for it? Where did you get the brains that enabled you to have a job? Come on now. I'm asking simple questions. These are not complicated questions. I'm telling you. He is the fountain of every blessing. So Paul says, for to me to live is Christ. Christ is my life physically, but much more than that. He is my life spiritually. When my brother lay dying, did you know all the money on planet Earth would not have comforted him? Really, now you think about it. All the fame, all the fortune. You know what comforted him? The truth that Jesus loved him and died for him. And his spirit soon going to be with him and his body will follow in the resurrection. That's, that's what comforts dying men. I heard a pastor one time visit, visited a, men, a, a member of his church who was very wealthy. And the man had been extremely selfish, self-focused. He was a multimillion. I made a lot of money, but he had mistreated people. He, you know, he just he mistreated people that worked for him. He was he mistreated his wife, his kids. They didn't want much to do with him. And he sent for his pastor. He's on his deathbed, and he, and the pastor goes over to this mansion, and the man is up there in a beautiful suite, in a magnificent bed, and the pastor says. Uh, you sent for me. He says, yes, Pastor. He said, I don't understand. He said, my hands, my hands, they're so empty. My hands are so empty. In other words, he was saying, I'm so empty. My life is empty. Do you want to come down to the end of your journey like that? You and I need to be living for Jesus and for His children. If God blesses me to live another day, I want to live it for y'all. I want to live it for my family and for the church. When it's all about me, I can tell you, it's empty. Just empty. So Paul says, but if I live in the flesh, he says, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Let me tell you, When a child of God is living for Christ and he dies, he just goes to be with Jesus, which is far better. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall choose, I won't not. Now listen, I'm in a strait betwixt two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Paul describes death as a departure. I took Nelda to the airport one time when we were living in North Carolina, and and she got on a plane, and she departed. And I stood there, I remember it very well, I stood there at the airport and wept, because my beloved was flying away to Arkansas. But in Arkansas, her family was excited about her arrival. Now, when when my brother Kai departed last night, it left us sad. But there's people in glory glad to welcome him over there. Do y'all believe that? Is this just a fictitious story? Is this Mickey Mouse? (laughs) No. This is more real than you being here this morning. And Paul said, I have a desire. Do you have a desire? See, we, we love life. God created the body and it enjoys this earth. He gave us five senses which enables us to connect with the natural creation. I, I have the sense of taste. I enjoy eating. How about y'all? Anybody here enjoy eating? Amen. <laughs> Got one solid amen on that. Uh, I enjoy smelling things that are pleasant to smell. I enjoy looking at you all. Vision. You know, all of my senses, I I enjoy them. They connect me with the earth. I was made for this earth. I'm of the earth, earthy. But you see, there's a part of us that's born from above that desires to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. You know, here's an illustration. You go down to the sea and you see a loved one get on a boat And eventually, if you keep looking, that boat will disappear. It's departed from shore, and and it goes out of sight eventually. But it's arriving on another shore. That's what death is. Paul says, I have a desire to depart and be with Christ. Which is what? I I wish y'all could finish that text. But if you can't, I'll finish it for you. And I'd encourage you to remember it. Which is far Better. I want to tell you, beloved, we are looking forward to that glorious day. Nevertheless, he says, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. The brightest star in the Christian sky is the promise of his second coming. Now, that star is bright in my sky. I'm looking forward to his second coming. Thank you all for your good attention this morning.